Welcome to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast. We hope and pray the following message blesses your life. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit us at nlcclancaster.com. Let us go into the Word of the Lord today on this special September 11th Sunday. I invite you to join me in Psalm 46 and verse number one. God is our refuge. God is our strength. God is a very present help in trouble. I want to speak to you today from this thought. Jesus Christ, the first, first responder. And you may be seated. Let's go from the Old to the New Testament, Hebrews chapter 4, starting at verse 14. Seeing then, we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. It's a double negative, so it's a positive. We have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, which means we do have a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Jesus Christ is the first, first responder. If you study his ministry out, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read the stories, the events, the parables, the situations that he dealt with during his earthly ministry, and you will find that he would always respond to the need. If it was a woman who pushed her way through the crowd to touch the border of his garment, he would stop the crowd from going any further and say, someone touched me for I felt virtue leave my body. He's the one that stopped the funeral procession on the way for the widow to bury her son and brought him back to life. He's the one that said at the grave of Lazarus, Lazarus come forth. He's the first, first responder. Go throughout his ministry and you'll find him healing the lame, touching the leper, cleansing those that were outside of the ark of safety, fighting for those who were called publicans and sinners, stood up for those even who were Gentiles outside of the covenant of promise. He was there all the time. He was the first, first responder. Sometimes with a veil, you and I deal with this in this thing called life, with a veil of what can we call it today, suffering, a veil of pain, a veil of um, loss, and sometimes we feel that veil shrouding us or covering us or challenging us, and we find ourselves emotionally and physically and sometimes even spiritually spent, 
and brought down to a very low place this journey called life. And it is in that moment, and I think you would agree with me today, it is in that moment that we need someone to respond to our need and to help us because we just can't do it on our own. All of us find ourselves in those particular circumstances of life from time to time. And there are those today in this house that are indeed there. And you need him, the first, first responder to help you today. You see, when you are desperate and when you are maybe in a desperate need for help, feeling as if you're unable to go on, I come to this pulpit today to tell you that Jesus Christ is still the first, first responder. And 2,000 years after his death, his burial, his resurrection, he is the one who will help you in your time of need in this house today. This is the day that each of us can reach out and rise up and claim the promises of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he said in our text, he said that I will be your refuge, your strength, and your help in the time of trouble. That's the promise God has given to us. The Lord's promises go like this. He will never leave us to ourselves to make it on our own in life. The Lord's promise goes like this for someone today. He will not leave us with no course of action. He will not leave us with no place to turn. He said in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 20, the last part of that particular verse, Jesus Christ said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. And he put an exclamation point on it when he said, amen. I will never leave you. I'll go with you. I will be there. I will respond to your need and I'm going to be with you all the way to the end. Today I want to talk a little bit about leprosy. Leprosy. We know that throughout the Old Testament, uh, leprosy was uh, rabid among people and even in the New Testament. And it is demonstrated throughout Scripture that leprosy was a symbolic representation of sin. Not that a person that had leprosy was a, was a sinner, but leprosy, the way it affects the body and deteriorates the mind and touches the very heart of an individual, was, was likened unto sin throughout the Old and the New Testament. The word leprosy is mentioned 40 times in the King James Version. Leprosy was a common disease in Bible times. And the main reason it is talked about so much in the Word of God is because it graphically illustrates how sin has devastating power over a person's life. And this is something you need to know about leprosy, Old and New Testament. It was incurable by man. And so when we talk about sin, Sin is incurable by man. There's no doctor that can remove sin from your life. There's no psychiatrist that can remove it from your mind. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ. 
to remove the sin from an individual's life. And so incurable by man, many believe that leprosy was a curse upon individuals because of a sin possibly that they had committed. In other words, no one had the ability to respond to the need of a leper. There was no help. There was no one available. There was no answer for their demise. If you were a leper, you go to the colony. You're separated from humanity. You cannot be a normal individual in a normal society. There's no future for you to look forward to. You are a leper. A leper wasn't allowed to come, watch this now, within six feet of another human being, including their friends and their families. The disease was so revolting that the leper wasn't permitted to come within 150 feet of another human being if the wind was blowing. So there was no one who could, or maybe I should say there was no one who would respond to their situation, their disease the curse, the pain, the loneliness, and notwithstanding, there was no one who would respond to them in their hopeless state of demise. And the law prohibited anyone. The Old Testament law said, you cannot come within six feet on a calm day of a leper. And a leper cannot get any closer to you than 150 feet if the wind is blowing. And so the Old Testament gave no hope. The New Testament gave no hope. However, in the New Testament, we find a story that unfolds. And it goes like this in Matthew chapter 8. It's about the first, first responder willing to dare help a leper in the time of need. And let me just say this, that if Jesus Christ, the first, first responder, would cross over the boundaries of the Old Testament law and help a leper, how much more will he break down every wall of perdition between you and your salvation? How much more will he reach and touch you today? There's nothing that can keep him away from you today. If you by faith will reach out and ask him, he is still the first first responder for the souls of men, the lives of men, the hearts of men, and the minds of men. He's Jesus Christ himself. Amen. Hallelujah. So Matthew chapter 8, Jesus, I love it. I know the Pharisees are watching. The Sadducees are watching. We know that Rome is taking note. We understand that he's going to preach an incredible sermon. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, three chapters that absolutely are the epitome of the greatest sermon ever preached, starting with the Beatitudes. And Jesus said, if somebody asks you to go one mile, go two. If they ask for your coat, give them your cloak also. He, he, he said, you know, where your heart is, there's where your treasure will be. It's one of the greatest sermons. I, I, would, I would admonish you to go home today and just take five minutes and read Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7 
and look at the greatest sermon that was ever preached. But see, Jesus didn't just preach sermons on the mountaintop. He didn't just bring ideas and philosophies and and the word just to be bringing the word. Hallelujah. He brought the word so he could put it into action. If all you have is word, I told the class this morning that we are to worship him in spirit and in truth. If all you have is truth, you have formalism. If all you have is spirit, you have fanaticism. But Jesus said, worship me in spirit and in truth. And when you put spirit and truth together, it is a powerful thing that he's made available to us. And so Jesus did not just preach the word on the mountain and bring a wonderful truth in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He mixed it with spirit. And he said, you know what? I'm coming down out of this mountain. Not just going to preach a pretty sermon and we all go home. Somewhere at some time for somebody, we got to respond to their need. Let me tell you, this church doesn't just preach messages on the mountain. We don't just sing about it. We want you to know that we're bringing this down out of the mountain. It's not just truth and formalism, but we're going to mix spirit with it. And watch what the Holy Ghost will do for you today when the spirit and the word come together. There's nothing that can stop an individual that will put their trust, their hope, their confidence in the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and He can make a difference for you today. Yes, He can. Absolutely, He can. He he is the first, first responder. Matthew 8, here He is. Just preach this incredible message. Verse number 1 When Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there was a leper. I sure hope the wind's not blowing because the leper's close. He's about six feet away from Jesus. He comes and behold, there came a leper and the leper worshiped him. Hallelujah. Somebody said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, I don't want to mess you up this morning, but we all like to clap our hands. Let's do it right now. Let's just, let's see that. (laughs) Hallelujah. Are you ready for this? Does anybody want to worship him this morning? Ah, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Help me to stay in my notes. Hallelujah. The Word of God admonishes us to clap our hands six times in the Word of God. That's enough for me. I'm not sure you're ready for this, but the Word of God admonishes us to dance in the Spirit 16 times. Hallelujah just food for thought. I won't take it any further. I can tell you're just going to clap and sit. Praise God, which is fine. I understand. Praise God. But isn't it wonderful every once in a while when the presence of God gets to move it, that you just worship him in the dance and you worship him with a tear and you worship him with a hand clap and you worship him. Amen. Even if you're sitting down, some people just worship him from there and that's fine too. I just think that every once in a while we need to come into him and just worship him and praise him and magnify him and glorify the name of the Lord. 
Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And behold, a leper came and worshiped him. And this is what he said. Lord, I know the law. I can't get any closer than six feet. Wind's not blowing. I don't have to stay 150 feet away from you. But Lord, it, I don't even know how to say this, Lord. But, but if you will, you can make me clean. Now, what is the first, first responder going to do? He's got the law and the Pharisees and the Sadducees watching. He's got a leper that has faith, that has said, I'm coming to worship you. And Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What kind of faith is that? There is no cure. There's no doctor. There's nobody that can help you. And you're actually saying to the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. You know what that, you know what happened that moment? Faith touched that man and that man spoke a word of faith. And Jesus said in the very next verse, put forth his hand and touched him saying, I will be the now clean and immediately the leprosy was cleansed from his body. I'm just telling you if you reach out to the first responder and say Lord if you will you can help me today. You're going to hear him say I absolutely will. No law's going to stop me. No man's going to stop me. I'm sovereign. I'm God. I can. I will. I will transform you. Come on somebody praise him for the transforming power of God. He will make a way out of no way. Hallelujah. Why would Jesus, why would Jesus defy the law? Why would he defy the law and help the leper? Could it be, and this is where I want to bring a point to this wonderful church and visitors and those online. Listen to me carefully. Could it be that leprosy, as we know, was a sim symbolic representation of sin and we also understand that the Lord detests sin, does he not? Sin is repulsive to him. Why would you say that, Pastor? Why, why would you say that sin is repulsive to Jesus Christ? Because it was sin that he saw in that cup in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was sin that touched his lips as he drank from that cup. And when he did, he took upon himself the sins of every person from that time until this. He drank that cup. Why is sin repulsive to him? Because sin caused him to go to the common hall of the governor and have his back laid open with a cat of nine tails and a crown of thorns placed upon his head and his beard was plucked and he was sped upon. It was sin that took him to Golgotha's hill and nails was driven through his hands and his feet. It was sin that caused him to hang between heaven and earth and two malefactors and give up the ghost and die. You know why he's, sin is repulsive to him? Because it cost him his life, but he freely laid it down that he might be buried and 
and that he might rise again. And when he came out, he said, now I've got all power over every sin that you've ever committed. I nailed them to the cross. You know why he loves you today and wants you to to respond to him by faith? It's because he's ready to be the first responder in your life to transform you and make you a new creature in Christ Jesus. It's repulsive to him. Sin bans us. Unrepented sin is a wedge between us and God. It bans us from the very presence of God. Therefore, if you are living in sin this morning, and if the enemy has convinced you that there is no hope for you, that this leprosy has no Deliverance. There is no healing. There is no way out from sin. If the enemy has convinced you of that, you can, I think I'll get an amen right here. You can with confidence approach the Lord Jesus Christ right now with all of your sins and he will cleanse you, forgive you, make you whole. He will respond to your cry in this house of worship this morning. And just as he did for the leper, Jesus put forth his hand and touched him. He will put forth his hand and touch you. Is there anybody in the house that can attest to the fact you remember the moment the Lord touched you? You cried out to him and he touched you and changed you forever through the blood of Jesus Christ. Another story, and then I'll be finished. But another story is the story of the Gentile mother whose Gentile daughter was demon-possessed. Demon-possessed. No one could help her. And the problem we have here is once again, there's a dispensational line that separates the Jews from the Gentiles and Jesus is caught between dispensations and this lady, this Gentile comes to Jesus and I'm going to read some scriptures for you. She said, have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. Hey, she's a Gentile and understands his pedigree. She said, have mercy on me, Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. And Jesus answered her, not a word. Can you imagine? Something's going on here. This Gentile comes to this Jew, and it's not time for the Gentiles to receive the promise because he came to the household of Israel and he has not gone to Calvary through the death, burial, and resurrection. So Gentile, it's not even time for me to look your way. And so Jesus answers her not a word. His disciples besought him saying, Lord, because you won't answer her, would you send her away? Now she's bugging us. She's crying after us. And Jesus answered and said, And she hears him, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
Then came she and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. Oh, is, is there anybody getting the picture that if you'll worship him, first of all, there are no dispensational boundaries that has to be crossed today. This is the grace dispensation. Do you understand that Jesus Christ was willing to go beyond the law and cross a dispens for the leper and cross a dispensational line for this Gentile woman to heal her daughter. And, and he, what he's sent to the household of Israel and she came and worshiped him saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said to her, look, it's not me to take the children's bread and cast the bread to the dogs. This is not what I'm supposed to do. And she said, truth, Lord. You're absolutely right. I don't deserve it. I'm a Gentile. I'm a dog. He called her a dog. Yet she said, the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. She said, Lord, I know that I can't get the whole loaf, but if you'll just give me a crumb, my daughter is vexed with the devil. I know you're going to have to cross a dispensational line to do this. But if you'll just do it, just give me the crumb. And Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto you as you will have it be. And her daughter was made whole from that very first hour. He was the first, first responder to the Gentiles when it wasn't even time for the Gentiles. I'm telling you, he'll make a way for you. He'll heal you, bless you, save you, transform you. He'll cross every line to get to you you today. Yes, he will. Yes, he will. And he said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Everyone say the word surely. It's not a lady's name. It's not surely. It's surely. S-U-R-E-L-Y. Surely. Everybody say surely. Now follow me carefully in closing. Follow this carefully. Surely, now this is the carnal man speaking, okay? The carnal man. Surely Jesus will leave me. Look at the innumerable transgressions that I've been involved in. Surely he will forsake me. Look at all the iniquities I've committed in my lifetime. Surely he will abandon me without hope and without peace. Surely he will desert me in my sin-sick condition. Surely, surely he will disown me. I've caused so much grief to my family. Surely he will denounce me. I brought sorrow to countless friends. And so here it is. Surely, He's not going to help me. Transgressions, iniquity, without hope, sin, grief, sorrow. Surely, surely, surely. But I got, I have, I got, I have, I got, I've got one more surely. For you to consider. 
is found in Isaiah chapter 53 and starting at verse 4. It says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. With his stripes I am healed. Can I tell somebody right now, make all the excuses you want. Come up here and say, surely he won't do this. Surely I'm not going to, sure. I'm just going to say, surely. I'm going to say, let you do all your surely's and then let me do my surely. And my surely goes like this. Surely he has borne all your griefs and carried your sorrow and took care of your iniquity and took care of your transgressions. Surely he can set you free. If he saved me and he did he'll save you and he will come on somebody does anybody believe that God is still in the saving business surely turn to your neighbor and say surely he'll make a way out for you glory to God brother Kenny Mason are you here is that you praise God I'm going to share your story is that okay praise God nine days ago I get a a frantic phone call from Tammy Wright. And she says, Kenny can't find a a heartbeat. Christy's with him out by the barn and the ambulance is on the way. Pastor, you got to come. And so when I pull up, the first responders are already there. The ambulance is there. They've got him on a gurney and he's not responding to them. He is, he is having a heart attack. Even while we are trying to get him from the barn area to the driveway to the ambulance, the first responders, so this is nine days ago, the first responders are there and we finally get him almost to the ambulance. And the paramedic says, trying to engage him, in conversation, the paramedic says, tell me something good that happened today. I thought that was a weird question for a man who's having a heart attack, but he was trying to engage Brother Kenny in conversation. And Brother Kenny can't even hardly open his eyes. And the man says, tell me something good that happened today. And Brother Kenny just said, Holy Ghost, and started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. Praising God in a heavenly language. Hallelujah. We got him in the ambulance. We, we got him to the ER. They took him in. They put a couple of stents in him. And Sunday last week he went home and he's here this Sunday. And I think we ought to praise God for that. And, and yeah, thank God. Hallelujah. And here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to say to you this morning. That there was a first responder that asked him to tell him something good that happened that day. But the first first responder showed up, was already there, and the Holy Ghost began to flow out of him. I'm just telling you, there's a first, first responder in this house, and he can fill you with his presence. He can transform your life. He can change you forever. He's a good God in this house today. Mm. Oh, And so, Monday, Labor Day, 
Labor Day, I get a phone call that Sister Mary Sue, are you here, Sister Mary Sue? Sister Mary Sue has been rushed to the hospital and is going in for emergency surgery. And I said, I think it was Sister Cherry that called me, I can't remember. And I said, I'm on my way. So I get in truck and I'm headed down Sheridan Drive and I'm almost to uh, the hospital and I get a message from uh, Labriska and JJ and Linda and they're all frantically telling me Brother Mike is in Fairfield Medical Center and he's had a stroke and I said well I'm a minute away I'll, I'll be right there and so I walk in, and the, the lady, you know, I didn't even know she knew me. She said, Pastor, right this way. He's in, he's in room five. And she rushed me back into room five, and they were setting up a video deal because they wanted a specialist to talk to him through a video. And so they're getting that all set up, and they're working on Brother Mike, and, and he can't put, watch this, he can't put two words together. He tries to talk to me, and, and, and you can tell that there's, that, that there's, it's just, it's a bad situation. He can't talk, and they're hooking him up to all kinds of things, and, and Sister Linda's there, and Sister Labriska's there, and, and we're, they're working on him, and I'm in the background, and so finally I get to come up, and, and I'm next to him, and, and, and I said, Brother Mike, let's pray. And he's got tears coming out of his eyes, and he can't say, he can't say two words. He can't put two words together. And when I laid my hands on him, the Holy Ghost came from another world and just stepped in. I don't know, I don't know how to explain this, but when we laid hands on him, he started speaking in tongues fluently without any reservation or hesitation or conflict, fluent. And when I left there and analyzed that, I said, you know what? That was God speaking through him. And a stroke does not limit God from speaking because it's not man speaking. It's the Holy, it's the first, first responder that's speaking. Oh, come on, somebody. There's power in the Holy Ghost. There's power in the name of Jesus. He is the first, first responder. And I wasn't sure I understood all of that. I wasn't sure I understood all that I had just witnessed with Brother Kenny and Brother Mike. I just, it was just like, and so Tuesday evening, I go to, I go to Brother Cisco's funeral and Brother Chester Wright was one of the 18 speakers. Wait till my funeral comes around. There'll be 90 speakers. Y'all are going to be here for three days burying me. 18 speakers. And Brother Chester, take that off of the video. Uh, Brother Chester Wright from Annapolis, Maryland was one of the speakers. And he got up and he said, about 15 years ago, Brother Cisco was standing in our pulpit preaching and he had a stroke. And they set him down and the paramedics came and they took him to the hospital. And Brother Wright said, when, I finally, when they finally let me go back in, he couldn't speak at all. Not one word would come out of his mouth. But he said, when I laid my hands on him, 
he started speaking in tongues fluently. That's exactly what I experienced with Brother Kenny and Brother Mike. He said he started speaking in tongues fluently. And he said, I stood back and when I left, I said, Lord, you've got to explain that to me. And the Lord said, with the natural mind, the stroke controlled his ability to speak. But with the spiritual mind, the things of this world do not control the power of our God. And I spoke through him. Can I tell you right now, you don't think the Holy Ghost is important and real? It's God's power. It's God's spirit. It's God's anointing. It's God's touch flowing through you and for you. That's why I need him. I need the first first responder. I need him every day. I need him in my life. I need him in my family. I need him in this church. I need him every day. I need him. I need him. Hallelujah. And so it goes like this in Psalm 86 and 7. In the day of my trouble, whoo, in the day of my trouble, whether it's a heart attack or, a, oh, by the way, that was on Monday, on Tuesday, I walked into the hospital at the James, the Ohio State University Hospital to see Brother Mike. And when I walked into his room, he's sitting up. He said, how you doing, Pastor? I said, well, I'm doing good. Man, you sound great. He said, I'm going home. He said, they can't find any, any effect of a stroke whatsoever. And they said, they said, I had a stroke. They knew I had a stroke, but they can't find any effect of the stroke. And Brother Mike said, you know, Pastor, do you remember what you said when you prayed for me? And I said, well, I, I pray. I don't, I don't remember what I said. You, you, you said, God's got this. And he said, I hung on to that all the way up here to Columbus. God's got this. God's got this. God's got this. I want to tell somebody right now, God's got this. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost has got this. Jesus has this. He's all. Oh, hallelujah. He's got this. In the day of my trouble, who are you going to call? I'm going to call on the first first responder. I thank God for what all the responders that help us in this life. And there will be a fire truck and an ambulance and a police car and first responders in the parking lot to meet us after church. And we honor them on 9-11-2022. We honor them. But the first responder, this is what he said. He said, oh, so you have leprosy? So it's against the law for me to touch you? I'll touch you anyway. What is it? Your daughter's full of the devil. She's full of demonic power. And the dispensational grace says it's not for the Gentiles. But I heard you say, the dogs get the crumbs. I've never seen that kind of faith. Go your way. Your daughter has been made whole. And so in the day of my trouble, I will call upon him and he will answer me. But now listen to Isaiah 65, 24. He said, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. That's the first first responder. 
before you even call. One of my great heroes of faith is Forrest Weddle. He and my dad were best friends. His son Dan and I grew up together. And I'll never forget Brother Weddle. He was picked up by a friend of his going to work. It was an icy, rainy, stormy, snowy day. And Brother Weddle got up in a testimony service and he said this. He said, my friend was driving and we were headed to work. And we hit a, piece, a, a, a patch of ice and we were sliding into a concrete embankment. And he said, my friend heard me say, Jesus, that's all the time I had, Jesus. And the car straightened right out. Hallelujah. The first responder, the first responder. It shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. While they are yet speaking, I will hear. So, Wells, Wells, yes, the man in the video, the red bandana, he made, watch this, this is a paradox. This is paradoxical, but listen to it carefully. He made one more trip three times. He came out with people. He went back in to the sky lobby of the World Trade Center, saved another group of people, and he went back in a second time and saved another group. It was the kid with the red bandana. And then he went in the third time. I've got to go. There's more people in there. I've got to help them out. And the third time, the building collapsed and took his life. His goal that fateful day on 9-11 was just one more person. He was safe. He was out. He helped others get out but he went back a second time the third time and his story comes out and his father said that's my son because I've always wore a blue bandana and he's always wore a red bandana so the kid no one knew what his name was but they remembered he was the kid the young man with the red bandana. Just one more. Now we always talk about Jesus and the one lost sheep. That he left the 99 in the fold. And I didn't think about this until this morning. This is not in my notes. He left the 99 in the fold, in the comfort of the house. And he said, there's one more lost sheep out there somewhere. This is what I never thought about. The fact of the matter is, he had made 99 trips 
Maybe he brought them all at once, but he made, he made sure 99, he already worked with the 99 and brought them in. And when he counted them, he said, uh-oh, I got all of these sheep into safety, but there's one more out there somewhere. So I'm going to leave the 99 and I'm going out after the one lost sheep. And today, if you are that one lost sheep, I want you to know you can be saved. You can be transformed. You can be renewed in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Wow, I just thought of something. I just thought of something. The walls of Jericho are getting ready to fall. But Rahab has a promise that when everything around you is crumbling, if you'll put a red cord out, out your window and down over that wall, it's a sign of safety for anybody that can get to your house. And so with a red cord, her home became a place of safety. And she reached out to everybody she could. Come on, you got to get in the house. Walls are crumbling. Can I tell you, we're not talking about physical walls today. We're talking today about a society that's falling all around us. And the only safe place is the kingdom of God. Let me say it again. The only safe place is where the word of God is declared. And the first responder is here. And that concludes this podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe. And for those of you on iTunes, leave us a good rating. Thank you for listening to the NLCC Lancaster Podcast.